Hey guys, just before we get started, I wanted to kind of put a swear warning because I realize I do in fact swear a lot and I just kind of want to make sure if any kitties are listening that uh, you should probably stop now if unless you're a mature child. And also I'd like to say, uh, sorry mom, <laughs> let's get started with the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the Long Week Rain podcast. I'm in. I'm your host for this podcast. So, I hope you guys have had a good last couple of weeks. I actually just got back from the movies because I had enough scene points to go and see a free movie, so I figured why not. And I just had to uh, treat myself to the beauty of Tom Holland. Because <laughs> his new movie, Uncharted, just came out. And, you know, I think a lot of people would probably think that I'm just going there for Tom Holland, but believe it or not, I actually like the Uncharted games. And I was actually, like, pleasantly surprised that the movie was, like, really good because, you know, a lot of people were thinking because Tom Holland was Nathan Drake, which, uh, you know, a lot of people think was a bad cast. I personally didn't. I thought he was going to do great. Um, A lot of people were saying that it was bad. And, you know, I don't really like to listen to critics, but it was genuinely making me nervous. When I went to see it, of course, I don't know why I was worried. It was such a good movie. No spoilers, of course. But, um... If you really like Uncharted, I genuinely think that you're going to like this movie. And I think people like trashing it, like, especially even before it came out, is like, it's so mean. Because it was actually so good. Like, I can totally imagine this movie being an actual Uncharted video game. And, you know, I'm I'm not like the, you know, most diehard video game fan. Like, I don't have like a video game set up. <laughs> or uh, a lot of games. Actually, I own no games because I can't really afford it. My brother is like crazy obsessed with video games, so he's more of the intense fan there, but I genuinely do enjoy playing video games, and I enjoy playing Uncharted video games, and this movie as an Uncharted video game, like, I'd play the shit out of this, and as I said, Tom Holland, fucking A+, Nathan Drake. I don't care what anyone says. He did a good fucking job and I'm not just saying that because I really like him genuinely if I didn't know who Tom Holland was I would have thought he did a good job anyway uh what else did I do this week oh I went thrift shopping (laughs) I really do like thrift shopping I feel like my felt like my wardrobe needed a little bit of a refresh so I decided to go to my favorite thrift store and I got a lot of good stuff but my uh crown jewel of my thrift shop haul is a fanny pack that I bought You guys are going to love this. I'm going to have to post a picture of it on Twitter because I'm genuinely proud of it. I bought a fanny pack shaped like a whale. Not joking. It is literally a fanny pack (laughs) shaped like a whale. It's so cool. The minute I saw it in the bin, I knew I had to take it. I named him Cornelius. And he's really cool. And I'm going to take a picture and put it on Twitter because I think everyone else needs to be exposed to Cornelius's gloriousness. Okay, so um, enough about me. Let's get on to who we're talking about today. Today, we are talking about the badass, the fucking awesome, Harriet motherfucking Tubman. Yeah, I've been wanting to do an episode on Harriet Tubman for so long because she's just like such an iconic piece of black history. And like, what a better time to have some episodes focused on her for Black History Month. Now, if you don't know who Harriet Tubman is, that's dumb. Why don't you know that? Did you not pay attention in history class? She was a slave who uh, freed herself. She was a conductor on the Underground Railroad, not a real railroad, by the way. Don't worry, I'll explain that. And she was a motherfucking general in the Civil War. She's just an all-around badass bitch. And we're going to talk about her today. So let's get into it. 
Okay, so sorry if I cough a lot. I was at my grandma's house like a couple of hours ago and she smoked. So I'm probably going to cough a lot because I don't think it's out of my system. Anyway, uh, let's start. So Harriet Tubman was born as Araminta Ross in probably March of 1850 as the fifth child of her enslaved parents. Uh, Harriet, also known as Rit Green, and Ben Ross in Dorchester County, Maryland, which is right on Chesapeake Bay uh, near Washington, D.C. Now, we don't know her exact birthday. Most things I have read about her, like, placed in March, which means she was, she's either a Pisces or an Aries. But in my very unprofessional opinion, um, I think Harriet screams, I am Aries. Aries are ambitious, self-assertive, brave, organized, optimistic. And Harriet was nothing if not all of these things. I mean, just like, I think her general rep reputation screams all of these uh, attributes. Uh, plus my grandmother and like her entire family are were all Aries, so I feel like I have ample experience with your average Aries. Anyway, now you have to understand Harriet was a badass bitch. And uh, you know, I'm sure you guys are probably expecting her to be cool because you don't get a name like Black Moses for nothing. But trust me, she is a much cooler person than you might even know. Like, she's so cool. Now, before we get into talking about her family, I want to discuss her birth name, Araminta, because it's a super unique name that I've personally never heard before, so I decided to Google its origins. Also, I had no idea that her, she was born as Araminta and not Harriet, so that's pretty cool. Now, Araminta is a name with Old English roots. Um, it's a crossover of the name Aminta and Arabella and translates to prayer and protection, which tracks with her family being very religious and Christian. So it only makes sense that her family would choose something that represents their faith appropriately. Okay, let's get into her parents, who her parents were and a bit about what we know about Harriet's family history. Now, according to uh, the Ross family histories, Harriet's grandmother was a woman named Modesty who arrived in the United States on a slave ship and that she may have been of the Ashanti people of Ghana, though at the time uh, the area of Ghana would have been called the Gold Coast. I know that isn't relevant, but, you know, I'm always interested in talking about new cultures I've never heard of. So let's uh, get to know a bit about the Ashanti people of whom Harriet may have been descended from. Now, the Ashanti people are known throughout the world for being incredibly fierce fighters with, like, tough skin and they're really skillful with shields. Like, that's their bag. Now, to the Ashanti, the family and the mother's clan were the most important. Um, a child is said to inherit the father's soul or spirit, and from the mother, a child receives flesh and blood, which I think is really cool. Now, this relates them more closely to the mother's clan than their father's. Also, their clothing is fucking fantastic. Like, I was googling a whole bunch of photos of their, like, traditional clothing. Bark cloth was generally used for clothing before weaving was introduced to them. Now, with weaving, there is cotton and silk. Uh, women may pick cotton or spin materials into thread, but only men are allowed to weave, which I think is interesting, because, like, in a lot of, like, Western cultures, you usually find women are the one doing the weaving. So I think it's interesting that this is men's role in society with the Ashanti people. Now, there are different patterns in their weaving, each with its own name. Sometimes the pattern that is woven may represent social status, a clan, a saying, or the sex of the person wearing it. Now, patterns are not always woven in cloth. It can also be uh, stamped on, which I, I didn't, like, Google, like, how that process works, but apparently it can be stamped. Um, kente cloth is only worn in the southern half of Ghana, and... Um, is pretty distinct from other forms of traditional weaving. Uh, it's usually reserved mainly for like joyous occasions, like birthdays and stuff like that. Now, traditionally, kente cloth is 
like a festival cloth uh, worn mainly during the annual and seasonal festivals, which are, of course, very, very happy occasions. Uh, now, today, uh, they're, they're still used for festive occasions and during the rituals associated with life's important events, such as marriage, death, and religious worship. Therefore, uh, I think it's uh, quite appropriate for outsiders to wear it for religious and festive occasions. Now, basically, the Ashanti are an incredibly vibrant culture, and I think their strength and spirit really made their way into Harriet's personality if she is, in fact, descended from the Ashanti people, which, you know, based on what I looked at, you know, I hope she is, because, like, it seems like a cool, cool culture that she was a part of. Okay, so let's get into Harriet's parents, Ben and Rich Ross. Now, Harriet's mom, Rich, was born on the Pattison Plantation in Maryland in probably January of 1797. Um, now, about that same year, Athel Pattison died and left writ to his granddaughter, Mary Pattinson, who was the wife of this dude named Joseph Broadus. Now, there was a stipulation in Pattinson's will that writ and her children should be freed when they reached the age of 45 years old. Now, in 1803, Mary Pattinson Broadus... Uh, well, her husband, Joseph Broadus, died, and she married this new guy named Anthony Thompson, who had an enslaved man named Benjamin Ross. And that's how Harriet's parents met, because their masters got married. And that's actually how a lot of um, slave couples got together. Now, Mary Broadus died in 1809, and her son Edward inherited her estate and had no intention of honoring his great-grandfather's will stipulations that Rit be freed when she's 45 along with her children. But more on that in a second. It's going to be a uh, problem in Harriet's life later. Now, getting on to Harriet's dad, Ben Ross was also born in Maryland on the Thompson Plantation, and he specialized in woodworking and acted as a supervisor for other slaves uh, who chopped down the trees on the plantation. Uh, as I said before, he met his wife, Rick Green, when their masters got married and combined their households. So... Pretty good for them. Um, they initially lived together in uh, Ben's cabin that he had and, and had nine children together. Uh, Lina, Mariah, Mariah Riddy, Soph, Robert, Araminta, or Harriet, Ben, Rachel, Henry, and Moses. But like most slave families, they unfortunately did get split up. Mary brought us Oh, sorry. When Mary brought us died in 1809 and her son Edward took over the property, including Harriet's family. Now, when Harriet was little, she watched as Edward Broadus pretty much sold her half her family uh, deeper south. Now, uh, Edward Broadus sold Harriet's three sisters, Lina, Mariah Riddy, and Soph, to faraway plantations in Georgia, which was basically a death sentence. They're never going to see them again. Now, Broadus tried to sell Harriet's younger brother, Moses, and her uh, mother. Uh, so because of the trauma that had happened with them removing Harriet's older sisters, they basically hid Moses for a month, like all around the plantation. Like Edward would show up and be like, where's Moses? I'm trying to sell him. And uh, Rit would be like, eh, I don't know. Uh, eventually Edward Broadus got sick of them hiding the kids. So he walked directly to Rit's cabin to come and find Moses. And Mama Rit literally walked outside her cabin and said, the first man that comes into my house, I will split his head open. And she was, like, holding an axe. And I've got to say, go off, Mama Rit. You fucking tell them. Now, most people agree that this moment of resistance on her mother's part made Harriet, like, such a believer that, like, her family ought to be free, like, in her later years. 
Okay, now getting into her childhood, it doesn't really get much better from here, trust me, because, you know, Harriet grew up in slavery and slavery sucks. Now, Harriet's mom was assigned to the main house where Harriet was often given duties alongside her mother, such as childcare, where Harriet took care of Edward Broadus's younger siblings. Uh, she was even hired out as a nursemaid to neighboring families, such as a woman named Miss Susan, who had a newborn baby that needed caring for. And one time while Harriet was rocking the baby, it woke up and started crying, and Harriet was whipped for letting that happen, which sucks. Now, um, later in Harriet's life, she also recalled a time where she was lashed five times before breakfast, and it severely scarred her back. And from this point on, she started doing a lot more resistance. She once ran away for five days when she was 10 and uh, wearing extra layers to protect against beatings was a couple of her tactics. But one act of resistance would end up changing her life forever. One day when she was about 12 or so, she was loaned out to a nearby plantation to help with some labor-intensive work. And one of her fellow slaves tried to run away and the overseer decided to throw a two-pound weight at the slave as a punishment. But Harriet got in the way to help, and it hit her in the head instead, cracking her skull. Which, you know, as someone who has also cracked open their skull, I know the fucking feeling. Like, it really hurts, and you're, like, so disoriented. Now, Harriet was carried home and basically left out for two days before her mother was able to come and help her and nurse her back to health. Now, from this point on, Harriet suffered from severe headaches and vivid dreams that she believed were messages from God, which fueled her religiousness, and even though she was never taught to read, her mother told her Old Testament Bible stories about slave resistance, and it really inspired her to become interested in the eventual abolition movement that's going to become really popular in the United States as she grows up. Okay, so before we move on, uh, let's talk a bit about what Harriet looked like, just in case you don't know or you've never seen a picture of her. Now, most of the photos that exist of her are from about the 1860s and onward uh, when she was about 40, so I can't tell you what she looked like before then. But to be honest, I think she looks really dignified in all her photos. Like, she's always, like, standing, like, like really proper. She has, like, a really wide face. Um, her hair is often really braided, like, close to her head, like a very, like, uh, sensible um, hairstyle, and she was only a whopping five feet tall, which to be honest, you know, I don't know why I thought she might be taller, but I, I guess I'm not good at guessing heights, like, I don't know why I assumed we were probably around the same height, but she was only five feet tall, which is cool, you know, it's always the short ones who are the scariest. Okay, so one thing before we get into Harriet's first marriage, uh, is that about four years prior to her marriage, uh, Harriet's father, Ben Ross, was granted his freedom after his master, Anthony Thompson, died. Now, Harriet's father received 10 acres of land and his own home, which was right next to a man named John Tubman. John Tubman was a free black man in the area. And Harriet and John very quickly fell in love like, like that. And Harriet asked her master, Edward Broadus, for permission to live and live with and marry him, which he granted to her, but she still had to work for him, of course. And by work, I mean, she's still enslaved. Now, it was around this time she made the name switch from Araminta to Harriet, but we're not really sure why. I mean, her mom was still alive. Like, it was not like it was to honor her or anything, but mm, I don't know. I guess she just decided Harriet, she liked Harriet better. Now, marriages between enslaved people and free people of color were actually like a pretty prevalent occurrence as more and more black people in the state of Maryland were gaining freedom and having free families. Now, we don't know much about John and Harriet's relationships, but it pre seems pretty evident that they were happy. Uh, despite Harriet's like pretty complicated relationship as an enslaved person married to a free person because uh, slave law dictated that slavery was inherited by your mother. So if your mother was enslaved, so were you. And it didn't matter if your father was free, you'd still be enslaved. 
Now, neither Harriet nor John wanted any children they might have together to be enslaved, so they hired a white lawyer and paid him five, five full dollars uh, to investigate Harriet's mother's legal status, because if Harriet's mom, Rit, was free, then everyone could be free. Now, the lawyer ended up finding out about that sticky little stipulation that Rit was supposed to be freed along with her children when she turned 45, but Edward Broaddus had refused to free her and ignored that clause from his grandfather and kept Harriet and her family enslaved. Now, Harriet had no legal way to fight this in court, so she had to back down, but the hardships of slavery and separation would end up making her even more determined to run away and gain her freedom. Uh, not through legal ways. Now, a few years later in 1849, Harriet was severely sick for a few weeks. Like, people thought she was going to die. And it really diminished her value since she couldn't do any of her tasks, which really pissed off Edward Broaddus because he was a dick. So he looked into selling her, which made Harriet very, very upset. She did not want to get sold far down south like her sisters or get a master even worse than Edward Broaddus. So she spent days and days praying that he would change his ways and not sell her. But when she thought he was close to closing a sale on her, she changed her prayers and hoped that he would die. And wouldn't you know it, a week later, that man fucking dropped dead. <laughs> I mean, well, that's, that's wishful thinking. I mean, hashtag thoughts and prayers. Like, <laughs> I don't know how old Edward Broaddus was when he died or like what he died of, but for Tim to just like drop dead a week after she hoped he would drop dead, has got to be some, like, divine intervention because that is just, like, it's too goddamn convenient. But, unfortunately, it wasn't a good thing for Harriet. Now, I'm sure that we are all happy that the evil slave trader is dead, but it's actually a huge problem for Harriet because Edward's widow, Eliza, began to sell off property, which only meant Harriet had a larger chance of her and her family being sold off to different places and being separated. So, Harriet decided enough was fucking enough, and she decided she needed to get out of here as fast as possible. Now, Harriet had two attempts to escape. Harriet's first attempt at escape was kind of botched. Uh, she escaped with her brothers Ben and Henry, as Eliza Broaddus had loaned all three of them out to the son of Harriet's father's former owner. I know that's confusing. And when the three didn't come back for a week or so, when their time away was up, that's when it had been noticed that they had escaped. Now, Eliza immediately put out a reward for their capture, which freaked out Harriet's brothers, and they started having second thoughts, not to mention one of Harriet's brothers had just become a father and thought it was better to just go back and face the consequences. Even though she didn't want to, her brothers made her come back with them. Now, a few weeks later, she made the independent choice to escape by herself sometime in 1850. Now, before she left Maryland, she sent a coded message to her mother to tell her that she was leaving by using a song with uh, the main lyrics being, I'm not going to sing, I'm just going to tell you guys, I'll meet you in the morning, I'm bound for the promised land. Now, after this, Harriet made her way north using the connections of the already established Underground Railroad and the help of black and white abolitionists. Now, she made the nearly 90-mile trek, mostly on foot, until she reached the Maryland-Pennsylvania border, where slavery was illegal. Now, when Harriet talked about her life later on, she talked about this moment where she stepped over the border into freedom. And I think it's really powerful, so I'm going to read, like, her words about this. When I found I had crossed the line, I looked at my hands to see if I was the same person. There was such a glory over everything. The sun came out like gold through the trees and over the fields, and I felt like I was in heaven. Now, before reading this episode, I actually watched a movie about Harriet's life. Um, it's called Harriet. Really good. And they portrayed this moment so well. Like, even with Harriet's, like, own description, even seeing it on screen, like, I can't imagine how relieved and, like, 
free she must have felt like she she was finally in a place in her life where she could do what she wanted she could breathe she could eat she could walk without someone owning her and i honestly just think that's so beautiful like it really is now when harriet reached pennsylvania she settled in philadelphia and started working odd jobs like as a maid in large pennsylvanian homes now while this was a job she had been doing while she was enslaved she was being paid for her services for the first time in her life and i can't imagine like how good that must have felt to actually get paid for something you're doing now as the months went by in pennsylvania harriet could not stop thinking about her family being stuck in slavery while she had made it to freedom and all she wanted to do was have them in pennsylvania with her but going back to maryland would be dangerous but history would end up forcing her hand in 1850 congress passed the fugitive slave act which made it legal for southern slave owners to cross into non-slave states and recapture escaped slaves legally and this was terrifying for all black people including harriet because one of her masters could just show up in the north and be like hi you're mine and bring her right back where she was now at this moment harriet realized she really needed to get her family out of the south right now and someone much farther north like canada where slavery had been illegal for about two decades at the time um, now, in December of 1850, um, Harriet got word that her niece, Kaisa, and her two children were about to be sold somewhere deep down south. So, Harriet went to Maryland, hoping to help them escape. Her brother-in-law hid her for, for a few days until her niece's husband won the winning bid at his family's auction, and before they made him pay, he took them and sailed them to Harriet, where they all got over the Pennsylvania border. The next year, she returned to rescue her younger brother Moses and two of his friends and several other slaves from the area. In 1851, she finally returned to her home uh, county to save her husband and bring him home to her, even though he wasn't enslaved. Now, she saved money from her various odd jobs in order to buy him a nice suit so that she and him would not look suspicious when they returned to Philadelphia, like they were just like any proper young, free black couple, you know? No. Harriet sent John a letter asking him to join her and explained like, hey, I'm here in Maryland. I really miss you. I want to see you. Oh, and you guys would not believe the reply she got for him. Now, Harriet's husband, while she was gone for like, like barely two years, he got, he had gotten remarried to a free woman of color named Caroline and she was pregnant with his fucking kid. And basically the reply to his reply to her letter was like, I'm fine. I don't want you to come. Don't come. <laughs> this motherfucker had the fucking audacity to literally commit bigamy. They were still married. And he gets another lady knocked up. I mean, the fucking nerve of this man to be like, no, I'm good. Please go away. Like, fuck, you two are still married. Anyway, now, also, she, like, waited for him and, like, risked her fucking life to get into Maryland to come and get him. And he does this to her. Like, it's unbelievable. Now, believe it or not, Harriet had a very similar reaction to the one I'm having and the one you're all probably having about the situation. In fact, she got so pissed. She had a plan to, like, storm into his home and, like, chew him out for what he had done. But she realized he wasn't worth the screaming and making a big scene. And she just decided to go home and fucking leave him. Now... All I've got to say is she's a better woman than me because I would have fucking like showed up to his house and fucking decked him for what he did. But I'm proud that she had the dignity not to. Um, and believe it or not, I believe like a couple years later, I think like 10, 15 years later, John would end up dying in a dispute with a white man. So I don't know if that's like really like karma, but like it definitely makes me feel better because he was such a piece of shit for literally doing that to Harriet. Anyway, 
Now, over the next 11 years or so, Harriet freed hundreds of slaves from all over the slave, including her elderly parents, who she sent to the town of St. Catharines in southern Ontario. I've been there. Uh, but they were later being moved to Harriet's home in Auburn, New York, when the Civil War ended. Now, it was at this time, working for the Underground Railroad, that she received her nickname, Black Moses, which, if any of you guys have ever attended Catholic school or know anything about Christianity, you would know Moses is a very famous character from the Bible who led Jewish people to freedom from slavery in Egypt. And considering how religious Harriet was, she probably took a lot of, you know, pride in the nickname. Now, what's even more amazing about Harriet's presence on the Underground Railroad is that she never, not fucking once, lost a single person while she operated with the Underground Railroad. And just thinking about how many people she rescued, it is astonishing that because she was so good, she never let a single person she led to freedom down, which is what I love, love, love about her. Okay, so before we end this first part, I know it's sad that it's almost over. I'm sad too. I want to talk a bit about the other abolitionists and fellow freed slaves that Harriet worked with on the Underground Railroad. Because as much as I would like to give her all the credit for her success on the Underground Railroad, she did have help. And talking about those relationships is really important. Now, one of the important members of the Underground Railroad was a man named Frederick Douglass, who, like Harriet, had been enslaved in Maryland and was actually only two years older than her, I believe. Now, Douglass very often praised Harriet in his letters and helped her uh, when the people she uh, saved needed a place to stay. Um, he once stashed, I think it was like 11 people she had brought to him and uh, helped make it, make, sorry, <laughs> make make the journey safely to southern Ontario and I mean these two were like the total like dream team of the Underground Railroad and they never fucking missed I love Frederick Douglass he was really cool now the other person that Harriet worked with was this guy named John Brown and I've got to say he's one of my fucking favorite abolitionists to talk about John Brown was a white dude originally from Connecticut but he grew up in Ohio and he was a raging abolitionist he was probably the most woke white dude of his era John Brown hated slavery like hated it with a fucking passion and he was determined to bring an end to it no matter the fucking cost like peace was never an option with john brown <laughs> and he was really really into violent methods in order to help slaves rise up and get their freedom now even though harriet was not an advocate of violence against white people she did support his goals and they were honestly really good friends and partners now harriet helped john plan one of his most ambitious plans ever the harper's ferry slave revolt and even though she was not present at the revolt and we don't know why she wasn't present uh some things say she might have been sick or busy recruiting slaves for the revolt whatever the point is they couldn't get word to her that the revolt was going to happen and the harper's ferry uh slave revolt uh started on october 16th uh 1859 and john and the slaves uh he helped uh tried to take over the like virginia arsenal so they could get guns and like start more revolts like all over the south like the plan was to get like every slave in the south to just like rise up and like get rid of slavery like right then and there but unfortunately, it failed super, super miserably. Uh, John Brown and a few other slaves that participated in the slave revolt were tried and executed for inciting rebellion. Um, Harriet said of John's death, he done more in dying than a hundred men would in living. And I think that just shows how much Harriet like admired the man. I just love their relationship so much. Like, guys, I want you to Google John Brown and just like all the crazy shit he did. Like, this man was crazy and I appreciate him for it. Go John Brown. 
Now, I think this is a good place to end it because we're just on the, like, sitting edge of the Civil War in America. And it's, like, this time where Harriet enters, like, her Taylor Swift reputation area and really fucks with the South, which I'm excited to talk about in two weeks. I know. I know. It's sad. It's sad. I really enjoyed doing this episode. Thank you guys so much for joining me on part one of Harriet Tubman's life. I will see you guys in two weeks. Goodbye. Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you have any suggestions for topics, you can just DM me on Twitter at longmayshyrain2. The N at the end of rain is replaced with a 2 instead. I'm also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and like a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, Don't forget to rate and review this podcast on all those platforms. It really actually does help the show so much and it will help me grow my audience. So I would absolutely appreciate it if you you guys could do that. All right. Uh, bye.